0: All right, so tonight uh, will be the final identity that we will be looking at in our identity series. And you guys have already looked at the passage this morning during your Lectio Divina. Uh, So I'm going to try to keep this morning's talk short and just highlight a few things I think is important for us to understand about what it means to be an ambassador of God. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just going to ask us just to do our best, just to stay awake. Guys, I, I stayed up all night writing this sermon, so don't make me have stayed up all night for no reason, okay? All right, um, so, uh, all right, uh, let's pray one more time before we uh, dive into God's word. Father God, I ask um, this morning that you would just be with each and every one of us, God, and although we are tired, although... Uh, The Spirit is willing, Lord, you know that the flesh is weak, and with the joy of the Lord be our strength this morning, as we look into your word, uh, that through your Spirit that you would stir in our hearts a greater desire to live as your children, but also as your ambassadors into this world. We pray in Jesus' name. All right. so our big idea for tonight is that as ambassadors of God, we portray God's character, and proclaim Christ's sacrifice. We portray God's character and we proclaim Christ's sacrifice. Let me go to the big idea There we go. So the first thing we're going to look at tonight is portraying the character of God. And in chapter 5, verse 21, says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And so in order for us to portray God's character, we must portray his righteousness. Paul says that the reason why Jesus died was so that in him, we can become the very righteousness of God. Now there's actually some controversy about what this verse means when it says the righteousness of God. Some theologians believe that this is a reference to imputed righteousness, which is the perfect record of righteousness that is imputed and credited to us when we put our faith in him. And others believe that this refers to our own actual functional righteousness that we are meant to reflect in our everyday conduct. Now, personally, I think both are theologically accurate that when we put our faith in Jesus, his righteousness is credited to us as our own. Because remember last year at Locke, I talked about how Jesus, he gives his 4.0 GPA to us. But as Christians, we are also called to grow in that righteousness. And that latter idea is what I want to focus on this morning. Uh, So our first claim is that as ambassadors of God, we are called to reflect God's character. As ambassadors of God, we are called to reflect God's character. So when you think about what an ambassador is, right, so for the past few years, luxury brands have been enlisting famous K-pop idols to be their global brand ambassadors. And global brand ambassadors are chosen to raise global awareness of the brand, and they are chosen based on how they represent the company's value. So this is my personal favorite Gucci global brand ambassador, Pam Honey. Um, but there is someone else who is also very closely associated with the Gucci brand, uh, which is Lil Pump. Uh, and who can ignore his masterful command over the English language when he wrote this line that says Gucci gang, 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 Gucci gang uh, Now between these two the global brand ambassador honey and Gucci gang low punk uh, Who do you think Gucci wants representing their values? For sure honey, right? It is for sure honey who they think uh, more closely represents their brand and what they stand for And that is the obligation that ambassadors have is to reflect the values of the brand that they have. And so my question for us this morning is that when people take a look at your life, what impression of God do you leave on them? Is the God that you portray to people a God that is holy? Is he a God of integrity, a God that is consistent? Or is he a God that is unreliable? Is he a God that is uncompromised and indistinguishable from this world? If you are known at school for being a regular attendee of Encounter, and maybe you're even in student ministries, is the character that you display in the classroom, on the court, and on social media, is it consistent with the character of God? Because when we fail to accurately represent God's character, we misrepresent God to the rest of the world. And some of y'all represent Jesus like how Lil Pump represents Gucci, but not very well. And all of us will naturally have various strengths and weaknesses in our character. Okay? Like there will be aspects of God's character that we kind of naturally embody because that's how we're wired. That's the gifts he's given us. And there will be other aspects of God's character that come harder for us. And already through so many of you guys, I can see like different aspects of God's character. Right? So like, for example, like Claire Cho, um, when I see her, she like, I see like the gentleness of the Holy Spirit. Okay? Like she is, she's so smart the same times I watch her do struggle with some of like the most basic tasks, like on like un, unfolding like a like I don't know like one of these mic stands or something. But always again to tell it Claire it's okay. You you have a good art, right? Um, and then Christine Ree, through Christine I see the humility of Christ. She is always willing to serve others. She is always building other people up. Like there is no one who is more generous with their affirmation than Christine is. Kind of to the point where sometimes I feel like she's lying. Um, and in Joko, I see the passion of God. So much life and so much energy. The other night at banquet, Joko was just going around being Joko. And one teacher leans over to me and says, hey, why is that boy always running? Um, and I'm like, that's Joko. Um, and so many more that I do not have the time to name. But each of us will have different strengths where we just kind of naturally can show that aspect of God's character. But different flaws Uh, That prevent people from getting an accurate view of God. I know personally that I have so many character flaws uh, that prevent people from seeing God clearly through my life. Like, do I embody the patience of God? No, not really. Do I embody the gentleness of God? No, not really. Uh, And I genuinely, like, I genuinely grieve the way that I fail to picture Christ to you guys better. But I also know that there are aspects of God's character that I do embody. And I used to think that. Christians can never talk about their strengths. I feel like Christians can only talk about their shortcomings and their weaknesses because that's what humility is. But as I've walked with the Lord and matured, I realized that, no, when we boast about the work that Christ has done in us, uh, that that is boasting about God. And so I fully confess that I am not the most patient. I am not the most gentle. But I think, I hope at least people see the sacrificial heart of God through me. I hope that's one thing. A little bit. Yeah, okay. Um, It's right. Uh, Maybe there's something else. Uh, But all of us, all right, we reflect God's character to the watching world. And I think one of the reasons why God has given us a community is so that together we can cover one another's weaknesses. And that's why Paul says in this verse uh, it's so that we together might become the righteousness of God. It's not me, I'm not the righteousness of God, but together we display that. And all the righteous requirements of the law can be fulfilled in one word, and that is, the second thing is, the love of God. Chapter 5, verse 14 says, For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, and therefore all have died. Paul says that for the people who have arrived at this conclusion, that Christ has died for all, these people are no longer controlled by the impulses of their flesh, but they are controlled by the love of God. And that is because love is the defining characteristic of God and the people of God. Above any other character attribute, love is the most defining characteristic of God Himself and of the people of God. Why? Because first John chapter 4, verse 7 through 8 says, What skyju? Beloved. <laughs> Anyone who does not love does not not know God because God is love. The reason why love is the most defining characteristic that we can show to the watching world around us is because God himself is love. Jesus says the world will will know you are my disciples when you have love for one another. And so as I'm talking about how to reflect the righteousness of God, some of you guys are still such perfectionists that you're already beginning to think, uh, and you're already starting to lay more burdens on yourself, and you think, okay, I need to be more dedicated like God. I need to be more patient like God. I need to be more pure like God. But you do not need to make this impossible to-do list. If you want to reflect God to the world, there's just one thing you have to do. You just have to love. If you love the people around you well, people will see God in you. So don't focus on not lying, don't focus on not cheating, don't focus on not stealing. Just focus on loving, and all of these other things will naturally happen as well. And so the first thing we see is as ambassadors of God, we portray God's righteousness and his love, and we are also proclaiming the Christ of God. Proclaiming the Christ of God. First thing we see is that we are stewards of the gospel. In chapter 5, verse 19, it says that in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting the trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Paul says that after God reconciles us to himself, he then turns around and entrusts us with that very message of reconciliation. And as ambassadors of God, ambassadors of God, who the noseleep's catching up, we are stewards of the gospel. If you think about what a literal ambassador does, they don't just share their country's culture and their food and their language, but they have been entrusted with a message from their home country. And likewise for us, it is not enough for us to simply be nice Christians with winsome smiles. We must actually preach the gospel of God. For a number of years, uh, this quote gained a lot of traction in Christian circles. It says, preach the gospel and use words if necessary. Preach the gospel, use words if necessary. Now that sounds pretty much so, right? Sounds pretty cool. And what this quote is saying is that you should live in such a way that when people look at your life, the gospel is obvious even without you having to use words. And I agree that this quote is provocative, but I actually think it's also problematic because on one hand, this quote is helpful because it dissuades us from hypocrisy, right? I think many of us have been incredibly turned off by the failure of Christians in Korea to preach the gospel in a way that attracts non-Christians. Like we see people like this on the street, older Korean Christians who blast gospel messages from their trucks and from these speakers at a volume that can only be described as auditory assault. And they often preach harsh sermons from ivory towers. And for this reason, many of us are almost disgusted by the idea of evangelism because we don't want to come off like these people. But my fear is that while the failure of the older generation Maybe that they preach the gospel of Christ without portraying the character of Christ. The failure of the younger generation is that they will try to portray the character of a Christ without actually proclaiming the gospel of Christ because they are so afraid of being offensive. I think we may swing too far on the other side of the pendulum, but this is what Romans says in chapter 10. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. And this is why I always got my dogs out, because the Bible says people who preach the gospel have beautiful feet. <laughs> um But this is the chain that we see, is that there is a chain of sending, to preaching, to hearing, to believing, and calling. And what Paul is saying is that God has already sent us out as his ambassadors. The question is not whether or not someone is sending. Where the chain breaks down is here, go back, at the preaching. The question is not whether or not God is sending. The question is, are you preaching? Because the gospel must be proclaimed. For people to believe, the gospel must be proclaimed for people to believe. Actions are not enough. Random acts of kindness are not enough. The gospel must explicitly be preached, or else people will not be able to call on the Lord to be saved. Uh, I went on a month long mission trip to Osaka, Japan in 2017. Um, Mr. Shin back there, uh, he actually went on the same trip just in 2016, the year before I went. yeah, I guess you I guess can't really tell this is Japan, it's just, I just like I'm hanging out with other random Asians. This is Japan, this is Osaka. Um, and every day on this trip, we would visit a Japanese college campus, and we would talk to Japanese students, try to build relationships with them, invite them out to church, and share the gospel. Um, and potentially controversial statement. I think that Japan has better food than Korea. Um, like I think, uh, I think Japan has higher quality food. I think they pay a lot more careful attention to when they're cooking. Uh, but I also think that Korea has a better variety of food in Japan. So I get sick of Japanese food um, quicker. No relation. Anyways, bring it back. All right. So uh, we every day we would go to this college campus. Uh, and the first week or so, right, I was so scared of sharing the gospel because, like, that sounds crazy, right? Like, how many of you guys would be comfortable going up to strangers and cold witnessing and trying to talk to them about Jesus? Like, how many of you guys would willingly be able to do that right now? Okay. Christina, jo- jo- not surprised, Joko. Okay. Um, yeah, it is incredibly intimidating, right? Um but one day, uh, so the first week or so, my strategy was, okay, I'll, I'll break the ice. As I'm talking to Japanese students, I'll, like, talk about anime with them. I'll find some common ground. Then I'll build a relationship, invite them out to church. And then when we're friends, that's when I'll bring up Jesus, right? Um, but I only had one month in Japan. And the Japanese pastor of the church that we were staying at, he said that most Japanese people will go their whole lives without ever having met a Christian. Uh, Japan has less than a 1% Christian population. And when I realized that the sea of people I saw, if you've ever been to Shibuya Crossing and you see all those people crossing, and you realize that most of those people will have never met a Christian in their entire life, everything changed. The sense of urgency I had, like, went up by 10 times. And I shared the gospel with as many people as I could, as often as I could. And, and sometimes I would invite people out to church and they'd come and sometimes I would people who would actually want to come and we would try to find a time but our schedules just would not line up. And so our conversation had to end there. And so I would shake their hand goodbye. But while I'm shaking their hand goodbye, my heart would break when I consider the fact that I might be the first and the last Christian that this person has ever met. And so I would be so reluctant to let go of their hand. Now I would be praying, God, please do not let me be the last one. Send someone else. Send another Christian across this person's path at some point who will be able to show them and share with them the gospel of Christ. Some of you guys are so scared of sharing your faith with your friends because you're so scared of offending them. But I've heard non-Christians say that they don't understand how if Christians really believe that hell was real, why their Christian friends don't try to evangelize to them more passionately. They they say that that feels like the most unloving thing you could possibly do. Like imagine if you had a cure for a deadly disease and your friend had it and you withheld it from them because you said, "I, I just feel like it's not really your thing. I just didn't want to offend you. I didn't want you to feel like I was coming off too strong. How unloving is that? Because if people do not hear the gospel, they cannot believe So we must proclaim the gospel. What exactly is the gospel that we are proclaiming? The content of the gospel in chapter 5, verse 19 says that in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and trusting to us the message of reconciliation. The gospel that we proclaim is simply this. God no longer counts your sins against you. We proclaim that Jesus has already paid for your sins on the cross, and your sins were counted against him, and so they are no longer counted against you. And this is the gospel message. The gospel message is the good news that God has redeemed the world through Jesus Christ. That is the content of the message that we have been entrusted with. We are telling people that the world has been redeemed through Jesus And there is a reason why ambassador of God is the last identity that we are looking at in our series. And that's because as ambassadors of God, the gospel that we proclaim is essentially all of the other identities that we have been talking about until now. We tell people who are lonely that there is a God who calls them friend. We tell people who are guilty that God calls them saints in Christ. We tell people with no direction they can be disciples of Jesus. We tell people who feel purposeless that they can be servants of the Most High. We tell people who feel rejected that they have Jesus as a true bridegroom. And we tell people who feel orphaned that they can become children of the living God. That is the gospel that we are proclaiming. And why would you not want to share this news with your friends? Last night, Chloe shared her testimony with us. Uh, Round of applause one more time for Chloe for sharing her testimony and what she was essentially doing is she was sharing the gospel how it manifested in her life it might not have been a sermon but that was a gospel testimony it's not confrontational it was not aggressive it was a simple but beautiful story about how God intervened in her life and if you are in Christ then you also have a story worth sharing to people too you have a gospel that you have received and a gospel that you can proclaim and it is the most important story in all of human history, that God so loved the world, if you know it, say with me, that he gave his one and only son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. That is the good news that we have been entrusted with. Uh, so I don't, I don't usually leave you guys with one concrete application, because I think you guys all have different, varied lives and circumstances, and I want you to come up with an application on your own. But today, this morning, I just want to leave you with one concrete application. I want each of you guys to think of one person who you can invite to the retreat. And that is your company. You are going to be an ambassador to this person. And I want you to begin praying for this person. That God would begin to soften their heart and that they would, for whatever reason, inexplicable reason, that they would feel a desire to go to this retreat. And it doesn't just end there. I don't want you to just pray for them. I want you to actually take the step, be bold, and invite them to come out to the retreat. Don't be scared that they'll be offended by you. If anything, they should at least understand that you're inviting them because you care about them. Explain to them why you want them to come. Share with them how God has been working in your life and how you want that for them. And I think you will be surprised how even some of the most hard-hearted people will be willing to take a step if someone they trust just invites them. Uh, When I went on my first church retreat, Uh, It was to this conference, uh, Joshua Generation. Again, this is where I met Mr. Shin. We were in the same small group, I think our junior year of high school. Um, And this was a conference for Korean-American youth groups in the Midwest. There would be about a thousand of us who would gather together. Uh, And it was my best friend, who I had known since I was two days old, uh, who invited me to come to this conference. And he was Christian and I uh, really was not. Uh, When he invited me, I was as far from the Lord as possible. I was living in sin. I was actively rebelling against God. Because I trusted my friend, I went with him on this retreat. And because he invited me, I went. And it is because I went that I'm standing in front of you here today. Because God met me at this retreat, and he changed my life forever. Like, I am not exaggerating when I say that if I had not gone to that retreat with him uh, all those years ago, uh, I don't know if I would be here right now. Uh, so I want you guys to think of one person that you can invite out. Because one encounter with God is enough to change someone's eternal destiny. Amen? All it takes is one touch, one moment, one encounter, and someone can be transformed forever. This is the calling that you have been entrusted with. Because as ambassadors of God, we portray God's character and we proclaim Christ's sacrifice. Ephesians 4.15 says this, that we are to speak the truth in love. And we have to find a balance between these two. We have to find a balance between portraying the character of God and proclaiming the gospel of God. We speak love and truth hand in hand. And no one did this better than Jesus. When he was hanging there on the cross, he told us the truth. Okay, Because what the cross says, if there was any other way to save us besides sacrificing his own son, don't you think God would have done that instead? But what the cross says is that we are so bad that the Son of God had to die for us. Right? That's the truth. You are so bad that the Son of God had to die for you. But it also says that you are so loved that the Son of God was glad to die for you. You are so loved that the Son of God was glad to die for you. Truth and love, side by side, hand in hand, in his nail-pierced hands on the cross. He is the character that we try to emulate. His death is the gospel that we proclaim. This is what God has entrusted to us as his ambassadors the blessings that you have been receiving uh, over the past few months, last night, uh, that is not for you to keep to yourself, but we are blessed in order to be a blessing to others. Uh, and so normally, uh, we uh, I know we usually respond by praying for ourselves, um, but can we actually do this? Uh, can we pray? Uh, I just want you to think about uh, who maybe that person is for you, uh, that person that God is laying on your heart. Uh, Maybe they are far from the Lord. Uh, Maybe they don't know the Lord at all. Uh, But if you have tasted and experienced God working in your life, who is someone uh, that you want to experience that as well? Someone who you want to see walk in freedom. Someone who you want to see no longer enslaved uh, to their various idols and addictions. Uh, Can we, uh, as a ministry this morning, uh, be a ministry that does not only look inward, but also looks outward? Can we be a people uh, who are covering uh, just the people that God has put into our lives in prayer? Uh, let's just take a minute just to pray for that person. Ask God, uh, begin to soften their heart, begin to move in their lives. And I think that when you pray that, God loves to answer those prayers. And he's going to start pursuing after them. And he's going to have them in his sights. And as you pray, he's going to run. So let's bring them before the Lord in prayer, the people that God is laying on your heart.